Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. It's a little after 11 a.m. on a Monday, and um, I'm hoping we'll see how the audio sounds after this, <laughs> but um, obviously, you know, for those who, you know, don't have access to a window right now, it is pouring. It is a torrential downpour outside, and right outside of our, um, our podcast studio slash conference room, it is really loud as far as the rain accumulating, so if it sounds like we're podcasting from like i don't know inside a fountain or underneath a waterfall apologies hopefully that's not the case when going back through the audio after this but um we are here um and it is a it is a new week and we are here for i guess uh well until uh, until things convene in uh, in august for the start of a new school year we will be closing the book on uh, on this school year this will be the uh, the last uh, episode of the podcast for at least a couple months and um part of that is because well uh we're out of teams to cover. <laughs> Everybody's uh, everybody is all wrapped up. We've uh, we've closed the book on our baseball and softball coverage. The last two schools that we had standing played their final games last week. So um, talk a little bit about those two teams. Them being the uh, the Flower Mound softball team and the Frisco Wakeland baseball team. And then afterwards, we will um just kind of uh, just kind of put a bow on this thing in a very very unique school year. One that certainly uh, will not be forgotten um, anytime soon. And just kind of give some parting thoughts on this school year. I know Devin you, and David, you both kind of did columns last week, just kind of looking back on um, on just kind of a lot that's gone into whether it was the spring or just going all the way back to the fall, just um, how, kind of how we just got to the finish line on all this in a very, very atypical school year. So um, plenty to talk about on the uh, on this, I guess, a season finale episode of the uh, Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. But first, let's um, let's close the book on, um, on our baseball and softball coverage. And that meant, um, at least on my end, a, a trip down to uh to at least it was initially austin and then because uh it was uh it was raining constantly down in austin they had to pivot and move the uh the semi-final round of a few of the uh a few of the uh classifications for at least i know for 6a and i believe 5a as well they got moved out to leander over at Glen high school for the semi-final round um so you still didn't get a traditional state tournament <laughs> Even though they tried, uh, the intentions were good. It was supposed to be everything was supposed to be at UT Austin, um, but because of the uh, of the rainfall, once again, as has been the case for a lot of these other sports, you had to play the semifinals at a separate venue from the actual state championship. So, uh, Leander Glen was uh, was a pretty hopping place on uh, on Friday for the uh, for the semifinals, and I was there. I was in the house to watch Flower Mound as they were making their first ever trip to the state tournament, and they took on Deer Park. This was a game that uh, was very much. Uh, very pitching uh, oriented two very very uh, outstanding pitching performances from uh, from Deer Park's Hannah Benavides and then Flower Mound's Landry Harris uh, spoiler alert Deer Park winds up winning this game 2-0 and they actually wind up winning the entire thing as they would beat Converse Judson the following
following day in a 1-0 ball game. Uh, the score between Flowerman and Deer Park was 2-0, so um, two shutout performances for Hannah Benavides of Deer Park. She was fittingly enough named the uh, the MVP of the state tournament um, in Class 6A. Um, on Flower Mounds, but um, from Flower Mounds' perspective, this was, you know, again, Flower Mound playing a low-scoring game that's very much defined by pitching. That's not a surprise. That's kind of how they made their way through district. You'd wonder, you know, they, the offense had, uh, not the offense, but just their team in general had, uh, they'd kind of vacillated between winning low-scoring games, grinding out, you know, wins over McKinney Boyd and Allen, you know, during the early few rounds of the playoffs. But then in the regional tournament, they kind of caught fire and just were just piling up just double-digit runs left and right. So we're just kind of curious which version of Flower Mound we got. And, um, I mean, they're, uh, again, Deer Park's pitching and Benavidez especially. I mean, they just really had Flower Mound off balance for large chunks of this game. Benavidez had a perfect game going into the sixth inning. And then Brooke Nauman, one of the seniors on Flower Mound, she was able to break that up with a uh, with a double. And then um, that kind of became the, uh, the story. Those last two innings especially, Flower Mound had its chances to really threaten this one. They were already down 2-0 at this point. Um, but... They were able in both the bottom of the sixth and bottom of the seventh to get multiple runners in scoring position. In the case of the bottom of the sixth, it was runners on second and third with two outs. And then in the bottom of the seventh, they actually loaded the bases up with one out. And it was, um, again, it was just the, uh, the, uh, the tried and true, the old adage of just the timely hit eluded them. You know, they did a great job sitting the table, but uh, I guess that I just forgot to bring out the entree, if that, if that <laughs> comparison makes any sense. But um, nevertheless, though, it was. Uh, it wasn't for a lack of effort, at least in the circle from uh, from Landry Harris, just a sophomore making her first ever appearance at state. She was outstanding. Just seven innings pitched, just two hits allowed, two runs, both unearned, ten strikeouts, one walk. The 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 part of this that was a little bit, um, you know, a little bit uncharacteristic of Flower Mound was the defense. And this is a team that that's kind of been their heartbeat all season was pitching in defense, pitching in defense. They had uh, they committed four errors in this game. Four errors had a really tough time. With, uh, with a few grounders from Deer Park. I went back to check during the first five rounds of the playoffs total. They committed just five errors in total all postseason leading up to, uh, to that semifinal game against Deer Park. So very, very um, uncharacteristic stuff there. There was even a catcher's interference called at one point. I mean, so Deer Park, they got more runners on base via errors than they did on hits and walks combined. Remember, they just had two hits in this game. Two hits, one walk. So, um, and that, I mean, that ultimately wound up, wound up, uh, you know, kind of catching up to Flyman there in the fifth inning. Both um, both of Deer Park's runs were the result of errors, and um, again, as mentioned, Landry Harris, you know, two runs allowed, but both were unearned. And um, again, like I said, Flowermount had its chances in the sixth and the seventh to uh, to make this a game, potentially walk it off there in the seventh altogether. But um, you know, fair play to to Deer Park for buckling down, getting the stops that they needed, and um, and they were able to obviously build off of that and survive once again in really close quarters by outlasting Judson in another game that was uh, right down to the wire, another pitcher's duel. So. So, um, again, though, still a great year for Flower Mound. I believe 36-4-1 was, uh, was the overall record at the very end of this thing. They, um, they were able to get through the regular season with just one loss in a, uh, in a preseason game against Prosper. They avenged that in quite convincing fashion in the regional finals against those Lady Eagles. They, uh, they ran the table in District 6-6A. As talented as that district was, I wasn't sure I saw a team, you know, at least being that head and shoulders above the pack at the start of the season. But they certainly looked apart. The again, I mean, just the pitching 
coaching and defense was just outstanding. It wasn't a team that there were there, seldom did they ever just blow you away during district. They weren't just out there just running up eighteen zero or ten you know ten to two or whatnot. I was always more impressed though going back through the box score the following day. Like how few runs did they allow? And there was I mean just the uh, I mean it was just shutout after shutout after no hitter after I mean they were just yeah they were just so impossible to score runs on. Um, and I mean it's it was also at the end of the day still a really young team. No one on that team had really been on a run like this. It's a program that traditionally does do pretty well in the postseason, but this specific group was really inexperienced in that respect. So just kind of watching them kind of grow up as the postseason went along. Ironically enough, the uh, the the bizarre symmetry of their uh, of Flower Mounds playoff run starting with a 2-0 loss to McKinney Boyd and ending with the 2-0 loss to Deer Park. But in between, I mean, they just took down some elite pitching. Um, you know, Kinsey Cackley with McKinney Boyd, Alexis Telford with Allen. Um, I mean, and they, I mean, just the job that they did just just hammering Prosper. I mean, Prosper's, Prosper had entered that series in the regional finals having allowed, I think, eight runs total was what I, was what I was able to count. And um, Flower Mound in two games, they scored 24 runs against Prosper. So they were just on a, just a different level for that series. So great stuff by Flower Mound. Their best season ever, their deepest playoff run ever, and certainly a, a team that's going to have enough back in the tank next, tank next year to where they'll, um, they're still going to make some noise. You've still got names like Landry Harris, Abigail Jennings, their other pitcher who was outstanding in the playoffs. Logan Halliman, McKenna Andrews. Um, there's there's a lot there, for, you know, for Flower Mound to build on. They had a lot of sophomores that saw significant playing time on that team this season. So, uh, yeah, Lady Jaguars are not going anywhere. So we'll see um, how they uh, how they build off of it, um, you know, in the uh, in the months to come. But for now, their season ends in the state semifinals. We were wondering if Frisco Wakeland could uh, could maybe make that uh, that last push to state, clear that last hurdle in the regional finals against Hallsville to get there. Did not work out that way. Hallsville, uh, you know. They uh, they kind of tattooed two of the better teams in the Metroplex by uh, by taking down Lovejoy in the regional semis, and then it was a sweep, right, Devin? Yes. Yeah, it was a sweep against Wakeland there in the regional finals. So uh, as we close the book on Wakeland baseball, Devin, just um, some parting thoughts on uh, on that series and just Wakeland's year uh, as a whole. Well, you know, Hallsville kind of turned the tables on Wakeland. Uh, you know, the Wakeland that pitching staff had been so good throughout the playoffs. They given up a total of eight runs in nine playoff games. In the first during the first four, first four rounds, uh, you know Luke Robertson, Robert Fortenberry, Blake Stedetold, Nathan June coming in uh, in, in relief. Uh, they had just done um, a phenomenal job. But then you look across at Hallsville, um, and and they had their own pitching staff that that had uh, uh, skins on the wall with Landon Bowden and Jeb Drury. They had a one one ERA heading in, and they kind of followed a, a similar deal. I mean, they gave up two runs or less in seven of their nine. Playoff games heading in. Uh, the only ones they didn't, they gave up three uh, to Joshua, and then they had the nine-eight game against Lovejoy. That was kind of an anomaly when you mm-hmm. look at the at the overall big picture. And um, so you, you know, you thought it was going to come down to pitching, uh, and it was really just a couple of bad innings uh, for Wakeland that did him in. Uh, they gave up three runs uh, in the first inning of game one, uh, and that was that was it. They lost three to one. Um, and then the second one, uh, a seven to one loss. Uh, they gave up six runs in the fourth inning. Wow. Uh, made some costly errors. Made some mistakes. Um, but that's ultimately what the, what the series came down to. Uh, is, is is Hallsville was able to put together, capitalize when they had the the openings, and and, and their pitching staff just did the job on Wakeland. Wakeland only had three hits uh, in each of the in each game. Um, 
And that's just kind of what it comes down to with this stage of the year. Once you get to the uh, these these last rounds, both softball and baseball, uh, it's, it's those pitching staffs that, mm-hmm. that are generally going to be the, the, uh, the difference in terms of, uh, of of getting there. And then it's going to be what team makes the fewest mistakes. Um, but certainly no shame, uh, you know, for, for Wakeland. They they make it their their deepest playoff journey since 2017. Um, They'll be interested to see what happens last year because this is a very senior-laden group. Okay. Uh, they, they basically graduate every one of these contributors. Um, but, you know, you look at their history, they've been able to reload. Um, They're always good. You know, over the years. Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as next year, you're looking at a new group. But, uh, you know, 33-12 and 12 this year, trip to the regional finals, just came up a bit short, but mm-hmm. certainly a great season. It's almost similar in respect to in kind of the, kind of the Flower Mound, because I think, like, you know, whereas Flower Mound got pushed to three games in its first round series against McKinney-Boyd, like, Wakeland, I think, because they played McKinney-North in the first round, and I think they won both those games by one run, and they was, there was barely any offense. So it is wild to see just kind of, uh, you know, just you clear that a uh, little bit of an unexpected speed bump there in the first round, but then you're able to take it and just completely run with it all the way to the regional finals. Well, yeah, and, and that's that. That, that would had been their mo. Uh, you mentioned the McKinney North series, uh, two to one and three to two yeah, were, were the finals, uh, and then they go and they play the Colony. Yeah, the first game was two to nothing. Yeah, second game was one to nothing, and the five game the game three is five to one. Yeah, yeah. So so they you know they, they, it wasn't as if they were not accustomed to playing in close games. They also had a two to one win over Corsicana mm-hmm. uh, in, in the regional semifinals. So. Um, you know, it was it wasn't as if they, they but they, yeah, but that's the, that's their style of game is low scoring, and, and they found ways to win, but mm-hmm. just not last weekend. <laughs> still, uh, yeah, still good stuff though from the Wolverines. Good stuff from the Lady Jaguars on the softball side, and um, yeah, those were the uh, the last two teams standing in our coverage for the twenty. 20, 2021 school year. So, um, yeah, as we, uh, it, it is odd that it, it's always weird coming in that very first week during the summer and you don't have any games <laughs> to cover for, uh, you know, no Tuesday, no Thursday, no Friday, especially as of late when, you know, again, with baseball and softball, when it's these series that you're just, I mean, you're just working, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just grinding through these things. And it's, um, so as we kind of close the book now on the, uh, on this school year, it's certainly a notable one, obviously, because of everything that precedes of it with, I mean, you're thinking kind of where we, where we were at, you know, just at this time last year and just all of the collective uncertainty of just how much of this was even going to take place. I mean, there was, um, I mean, you had, there was fair reason for skepticism as far as to what extent we would even get seasons in, if you'd even get to crown state champions. And it certainly uh, was not without some, uh, some hurdles and some adversity along the way, as we kind of discuss a little bit now, just kind of looking back on this all. But, um, it, I mean, they got to the finish line. And I guess, we'll, well, first off, at least we'll see what happens with baseball. But you would assume at this point that, you know, they're, they're going to crown state champions in every classification there, too. But, I mean, you look back to the sports that were more adversely affected by COVID. COVID-19, especially during the fall, you had champions crowned in every classification. You did have a few here and there that had to bow out of the playoffs because of COVID-related issues and whatnot, and it's unfortunate for those teams when you work that hard, but... um, yeah, but it felt like for the most part, I mean, if you were to if you were to outline this, um, just the way this school year went, you know, back in, you know, back in June when things are just when it is just gloom and doom and just what the heck's even going to happen. I'm pretty sure it would have probably been met with some uh, some 
bit of surprise. So I, um, I know last week you guys, you know, David, you and Devin both, um, you know, both put together some columns just kind of reflecting on certain aspects of this of this uh, past school year, be it just getting through the spring in one in one uh, in one piece or just I mean, just getting to the finish line, just period. So, um, David, when you think back to just kind of your thought process that went into that column, I mean, just with everything that you had to experience in your cities throughout the school year, I mean, just what do you I mean, just kind of just tie a tie a bow on this thing and just what you're going to remember about a, a very unique school year for, for in your in your line of work. Well, this is uh, my one year anniversary this week working at this at this. It's, it's the one year. I knew it was coming up. Yeah, okay, it, we're it, here. We're here on the and, one year. Awesome. And, and like honestly, like after like the first few weeks, I had no idea what I was going to be covering this year. Yeah. Like uh, I don't know. Was I going to be like you know part of the news team or was I going to be covering like you know just club sports the whole time? Mm-hmm. But I mean. Just looking back at it, you know, you got to credit the UIL for coming up with a great plan. Yeah. I mean, even though the season was delayed by one month, you know, like, you know, put a lot of them to put together some more time to put together, you know, some COVID protocols, a lot of them to, you know, like this is the way, you know, how practices are, you know, going to be structured as far as like social distancing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But we're still going to have the games. Like, you know, we understand that there's a risk going into the season, you know, teams contracting COVID. But, you know, like we want you guys to play because that's what you love to do. That's what you love, like work so hard and train in the off season for. Mm-hmm. So like, we want to give you that privilege of still being able to play. So, I mean, just, you know, hands down to Susan Ells and her whole team at the UIL for just allowing this whole thing to go through mm-hmm. and just being able to talk about, you know, the, the, the baseball and softball, you know, state championships. I just I put myself back in, you know, kind of, uh, you know, because as you mentioned that they at least with football, they had to delay the start of the year by a few weeks. So you had, um, you know, your smaller classifications getting going early. And I just remember that first trip up to Salina, you know, for their opener and just how how different the scene felt there with just how how spaced out the crowd was or at least, you know, at least tried to be and as best they as best they could. But um, just things like, I mean, like the, the press box being closed off and you had reporters having to like race from the stands on their laptops and whatnot and I mean just how I mean just again everybody everybody masked up and you know you saw like in volleyball games you know again like spacing out the crowd in the stands you had the the kids that were on the benches the benches were all spaced out as well and just little things like as far as like the game presentation that you would just kind of you know just kind of barely you know barely recognized over the years but now you had to completely change that like you couldn't do pre and post game handshakes or high fives like in volleyball you had the kids like take a couple steps towards the net and just wave at each other and then everybody went on their went on uh, went on their days but um but yeah but just the the measures that everybody took even before the season started but when you were allowed to do workouts and you had I mean every school just leaving I mean leaving no stone unturned with like I mean some schools moved their entire weight rooms into like their indoor football facilities you had others who like if you had massive campuses like at like at Allen or at Plano West you're having to like you know strategize these different entry and exit points so you're trying to minimize the uh the 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 close proximity of kids and whatnot and just the i mean yeah just the effort that all these schools put into trying to make this all work and um just to i mean to at least you know there's certainly a feeling of like you know of gratification to at least to get that it wasn't all for nothing that you at least got to the finish line and that you were able to you know at least take the proper steps to make sure that your kids stayed safe and you were still able to play these sports now you still had instances where you know some stuff fell by 
the wayside, and that was probably, at least in our line of work, one of the more, you know, uh, confounding and maddening aspects of this was just week to week, like, who's even playing this week? And, you know, I mean, especially when you got into, like, you know, like basketball and whatnot and just felt like, you know, you'd have teams that, like, would lose an entire week's worth of games. And I know with volleyball, the, uh, I mean, the district schedule, it felt like was being shuffled around every other every other day, it seemed, with the team having to, you know, bow out for a quick quarantine and whatnot. And then I think back to football and especially in District 66A and how much you had just two teams that had to, uh, that had to you know, quarantine and cancel a couple of games, but how much that impacted the standings in the very end of things. And I was, um, yeah, it was certainly not without its, its hardships, but um, just, again, to get through it all and, you know, without much of a hiccup during the playoffs to be able to crown state champions and ultimately just get to the, get to the end of what you're, you know, you're striving for at the beginning of this whole thing. Um, yeah, like you said, David, it's, it's impressive on the UIL's front that they were able to, to get through this all in one piece. And otherwise, it's a year that, you know, 50 years from now, I mean, we'll remember this as the pandemic year, but 50 years from now, the, the, the record books are not going to look any different from any other season. You're going to have a champion crown in every classification. And, um, and there was plenty of reason to believe that that might not be the case um, at various points um, last summer. Um, Devin, what, um, just what on, uh, on your end, man, what was this year like for you? And um, yeah, just kind of uh, tie, a, tie a bow on this thing for us. You know, I was I was happy for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously last year it just it, there was no warning. It was almost overnight everything oh, yeah. shut down, um, and I felt really bad uh, for the seniors, senior athletes mm-hmm. um, who you know participate in spring sports because you know people t- tend to forget a lot of these kids do not go on and play sports beyond this level, at, at least at a, at a competitive nature. I mean, you know, a, a select handful are fortunate enough to get a scholarship and, and be able to, to, to continue on. But for most of them, I mean, this is it. Yeah. And those kids did not have a chance to, I guess, get that closure last year. They, they didn't have senior night. They didn't have, you know, going stepping onto the baseball field or onto the track or whatever, whatever it might be, knowing it's your last meet, it's your last game. Um, and so I think that was obviously the big fear people had coming into this year. Uh, just so much uncertainty at the beginning. Uh, you know, it was, it was nice. It, you know, you mentioned we had hiccups. You, you know, you sometimes had teams having to play four games in a week, oh, yeah. uh, uh, things like that. But given the alternative, those I didn't hear any complaints from coaches, from parents, from players. Um, I think I think given what they had to go through a year ago, they were just happy to have the the opportunity to be mm-hmm. out there and. Um, you know, you talked about the, the distancing and stuff like that and how that kind of changed as restrictions were lifted as the mm-hmm. season went on. And it was a lot of fun uh, going to these baseball and softball uh, games yeah. here, here's, especially these last few weeks, mm-hmm. and seeing packed stands and seeing kind of a return to normalcy, so to speak. We're not all the way there, there yet, but, you know, it was, it was just a sign on how just, mm-hmm. you know, things have, have have developed over the course of the last year, and uh, this this spring was a lot of fun. You had mentioned it in your column, David, and it's ironic because this was the first time that it actually had hit me that, like, wow, we are pretty close to being back and it was for that Capel Keller series and that was out of the, out of Denton Geyer I covered a uh, game two of that series and I mean it was that's as packed as I've ever seen a high school baseball playoff game and whether it just <clears throat> you know speaks to those two fan bases or whatnot but I mean you had people just lining the first and third base you know the, the fencing and whatnot around the stadium you had people that were camping out in the hills out there back behind the outfield and whatnot behind the uh, the ballpark it was uh, it was quite the scene I 
actually walked around the stadium just to try to get a picture of what it all looked like um, and just the uh, the capacity crowd there. And I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was a madhouse. And again, like year prior, I don't think I had enough was to try to ever be in a in a scene like that. But um, but yeah, and it was it was a nice it was kind of a way of coming full circle to end this whole thing with as we now uh, you know start to you know kind of return to a sense of normalcy. But just seeing an atmosphere like that, it was a uh, it was it was quite the it was quite the moment to kind of put a bow on this whole thing. That's not the same thing I saw at Little Elm when I saw Frisco Wakeland in Little Elm. Really? It was but like that out there, it, too? It was even louder, though, because of the roof that they have there okay. at Little Elm. And, like, you know, they have the metal bleachers there, so the kids were just stomping mm-hmm. on the bleachers. Yeah. And to my left, they had some Wakeland student sections with some signs. And, like, okay. one of them had the horn. Another one, like, you could see, like, a whole section of, like, you know, like the Colony fans, and it was just loud. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you couldn't find a seed. Like, you know, the decibel level was really high. Like, you might not have been able to hear the following morning. It was just, like, that loud and that, like, f- awesome to just to see not only, you know, the student base, you know, return to, you know, creating that great student section, mm-hmm. but, you know, just, like, some sort of normalcy after what all we experienced this whole last year. Certainly a year that uh, will not be forgotten anytime soon. Um, but, yes, one that we are, uh, you know, again, you have the, the state baseball tournament this week, and then once that's that wraps up, then I guess the UIL will close the books on its its uh, its school year and whatnot, and then uh, we begin building towards uh, towards August. You got a uh, volleyball teams will start reporting, I guess, as early as like that first week of August. We're talking about, and then football practices will be right around the corner. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll see where we are at uh, heading into heading into next school year. So that's um yeah, that is just some parting thoughts on the uh, on this most recent school year and to look at the, again at the uh, at the conclusion of our baseball and softball playoff coverage and. Uh, That'll do it. Like I said, this will be our last episode at the very least until uh, until the start of August when the uh, when the next school year gets up and rolling. So, um, yeah, appreciate everybody for tagging along throughout this uh, this fun little eventful school year. Hopefully, we've been uh, able to keep you all apprised on what is happening in the uh, locally for your respective high school programs and whatnot. So, uh, it's been a it's been a fun ride, folks. So, until next time, you take care. We will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.